You're listening to the Shamelessly Feminine Podcast, the place for the kick-ass woman who needs a kick in the ass. Your host, Jen Rosenbaum, is giving you the tools to shed shame and live the biggest life possible. So kick off your heels, get comfy, and get ready to be the boss of your life. I'm super stoked to be talking to Brooke again today. Brooke, you were one of my first podcast guests when I started my podcast, and I just love talking to you so much that I begged and pleaded and asked you to be on the podcast again. <laughs> so we are back with Brooke Christian. How are you, Brooke? I am so good. I have to say, um, like February is my busiest time because of Valentine's Day and everybody like ramps up for that. So I have been chilling out for the past week and just sort of laying low because that was brutal. I feel like I felt like an accountant in tax season. Like, you know, everybody's vagina happy. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I was like, I just need to take a moment for my own vagina and just, (laughs) just chill out with it for a minute, for a minute. I love it. So let's talk about Valentine's Day. Let's start there. How was your Valentine's Day? Lame as hell. I decided to do like a family Valentine's Day and, you know, just make a really nice dinner for my kids and my husband. And we ran around the table and said all the things we love about the people in our family. And I really like that. I mean, look, for me, I hate Valentine's Day. Do you I know? know? Well, so here's the thing. Like, I know that's probably like sacrilege to say, given my business. But here's the thing. I mean, I get Valentine's Day and I certainly promote it as like, this is an opportunity. Like if you don't have opportunities before, like here's a good one, right? To like amp it up and get your lingerie out or try a new toy or sext him. Like if you're not already doing that, like here's a nice moment. But I do feel like it's the Super Bowl of sex. Like there's just this huge lead up to it. There's this huge pressure, right? From Hallmark and like everyone. And I just think that's, you know, it's like at certain points, like wah, wah, you know, like. Yeah. Well, there's like, I think there's certain moments in in the year, let's call it, that's like the Super Bowl of sex, right? Like your birthday, your anniversary. No, no, no. His birthday, oh. your partner's birthday, not your birthday. Right, 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 right. <laughs> you know, it's your partner's birthday. Like most women I know wake up on their partner's birthday and they're like, I got to give a blowjob tonight. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. no, but you're right. Like adult vacation, like couples vacation. No, you're totally right. It's just, there's this real aggressive pressure on Valentine's Day. And I don't like, compulsory sex. Like, I just don't think that we should have obligatory sex or feel that way. So that's why I don't like Valentine's Day. But it, I do think that it is a good motivator for people who don't normally sex it up or become adventurous. Like, then I fully support it. You know, I had a lot of people this Valentine's Day use it as a way to use a new toy or like introduce toys to their partner. And that I love. Like if that, if you're going to use the Hallmark holiday to introduce something awesome into your sex life, 
that's the goal. Like that should be the only goal on Valentine's Day, you know? So um, that I was really happy about. I don't think I'm talking out of like two sides of my mouth about that, but I just, I don't, I don't like the idea that women feel, should feel badly if they don't sex it up and have like, you know, skyrocketing sex that night. That's all. I don't want women to ever feel badly if they don't want to have sex, you know? That's my feeling. I want to know what you did for Valentine's Day. Okay, so here's the deal about me and Valentine's Day. I live for Valentine's Day. I love Valentine's Day. As my son always says to me, Mommy, you love love, don't you? I am oh. I'm a romantic. I'm a sucker for Valentine's Day. I buy all the chocolates and all the things and give everybody that's like listening and and around me like, oh, here's a chocolate. Like I'll go and buy tons of chocolates and give them out to people. I just, I love Valentine's Day. I think it's amazing. And I think it's a totally made up Hallmark holiday, but that if you're going to tell me that there's a day where I should just spread extra love, I'm all into it. Yeah. That said, (laughs) my family's not so into it. And it pisses me off sometimes. Can we like talk about that honestly? (laughs) Yes. You know, my my husband is constantly like, what's Valentine's Day again? I'm like, it's still the 14th of February. Has been, always will be, you know, come on, get with the program. And I hate I think you're right because it's like putting expectations on the day is really hard, you know, and he's not into it. So I can either choose to be let down or I can be like, well, whatever, it's not his holiday. There's other ways that he shows love and, you know, other days of the year or whatever. But um, I love it. I personally love it. I'm with you. I don't think that you should have to have sex or you should have to have to do anything. I think you should spend it the way you want it. We went out for sushi with the kids. Is it ideal? No, <laughs> but... But I think you know. that's what most married people with kids do because like we're over the phase of paying for a sitter and paying up for this like three course fancy meal. Like it's just not... Maybe if it's on a weekend, we might do that, but certainly like not during the week. Right. And what's nice about it is that, you know, the love doesn't have to just be for my spouse. It could be for my children. Correct. You know what? It was a Thursday and we very rarely go out to dinner during the week. The kids are busy doing a million things. And I just took it as an opportunity to say to my husband, you know what? Screw jujitsu tonight. Forget the (laughs) carpool. Let's just go and take the kids out to dinner. Phones down. Let's spend some time together. And for me, if that's a good, you know, if that's Valentine's Day, then that's a good Valentine's Day because it's like I got to spend time with my, my people. Yeah. And that's how I felt about, you know, having family dinner at home, you know, like it wasn't just chicken fingers and French fries. Like I made a nice dinner and I agree with you. Like the thing I do like about Valentine's day is that it's a day of acknowledgement of love. And I think we should all be doing that, right? Self-love, love to the people in our lives. The sex piece of it is where I think things get self-esteem related and a little bit complicated. Um, and I just wish that weren't a part of it. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, let's, like, let's make a commitment. Everybody listening right now, raise your right hand. We are, will no longer have sex out of commit, you know, out of, um, not commitment, out of, you know, having to have sex. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I don't want to say force, but to think that we think, oh, well, I have to because it's Valentine's Day or I have to because it's his birthday. How about we just do it because we want to? Well, right. And that's my whole point because when you start having obligatory sex or feeling like, oh God, we haven't done it in two weeks. Now it's Valentine's Day and I should do it or, you know, whatever. Now I finally done with my period. So like we should do it, you know, come out of the red tent and whatever. <laughs> um, like that just breeds resentment. First of all, you're not going to have good sex when you don't really want to do it. And second of all, it just makes you resentful. Like whether you want to be or not, uh, and that just breeds 
bad sex over bad sex over bad sex. And I just, oh my God, why should sex be the place where we settle for mediocrity? Like it just never should be the case. I say this all the time. I, cause one of the questions I get so often is how much sex should I be having or what's normal for a couple to be having sex? You know, I'm so nervous because my friend is having it three times a week. And I'm like, who cares? Who gives a shit? Like you could have sex once a month, but if they, if you are having eight orgasms and like touching the ceiling, who cares? Like that's the only kind of sex you should be having. If you're having so-so sex three times a week, that sucks. Yeah. Like it really does. Cause that's not connecting you to your partner in any way. You know, that's not, that's just making you kind of like, oh, this is like grocery shopping. Right. I was going to say, it's just like emptying the dishwasher. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have to do it. I feel good when it's done, but I hate doing it. Correct. It's like going to the gym, you know? And I just don't think that that should, our vaginas should be the place where we are like, so so about it it's yeah and big it was really so last night i was having wine with a friend like we just went i just went to her house i hadn't seen her in forever we're in our jammies like drinking wine and we have children the same age and we have two daughters you know they're both in third grade and um I was telling my friend, like, geez, I feel like things are really going to change. Like, I feel like we might be in pre-puberty. Like, we might be, like, on that road and it's freaking me out. And she said, oh, God, do we have to have the talk? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I think so. Like, I do it sometimes with her, but only when she asks and really basic. And she was like, well, I just tell my daughter that our vaginas are, are, are magic, you know, it's where babies come out of. It's where lots of good things happen. And it's a magical place, you know, just for you. And I was like, that is brilliant. Yeah. It is a magical place. Like, yes, it is. That has fairy dust. <laughs> like, it can do so many things and truly bring us so much pleasure. And I was like, I'm stealing that. I'm not just stealing that from my daughter, like my parenting. I'm stealing that for myself and my business. Like, yes. Our vaginas are magical places and we should not be sabotaging them with like anything other than fairy dust. (laughs) Yeah. I love that because, you know, there's like, I will, I mean, I didn't grow up that way. I'm not saying like my, I'm not nothing to my parents, whether they spoke to me about it or not. I'm just saying in general, I wasn't, I never heard that message anywhere. No, no, no. In I our generation, right? Like we didn't, didn't send that message. No, I mean, it's I like keep it in your it. pants. It belongs in your pants. It belongs right. away. And otherwise, we're just going to ignore it. Mm-hmm. And like at some point, somebody is you're going to enjoy it. But like right now, that's not. But even that, like even like, don't talk about it. Don't talk about infertility. No, right. Don't talk about birth. Don't talk yeah. about whatever. Like just keep it to yourself. Yeah. Even periods. I remember, like I got my period for the first time, and my mom was like. Oh, mm. and I, you know, like it wasn't this like very welcoming kind of thing. And um, yeah, no, we didn't grow up like that. I I don't remember the talk. If there no. was a talk, I don't remember it. I do remember asking my mom about blowjobs, and I think I was in like third or fourth grade. Like oh, I'm sure God. I heard it on the bus or like something like that. And I think I was innocent enough to like, mommy. What's up, blowjob? It sounds so funny. Is it like dumb? And I will never forget, we're Jewish. And my mom said to me, it's something that grownups do and um, nice Jewish girls never do it. 
<laughs> and I was like, well, what? And I just remember, okay. And now looking back on it, I'm like, that was probably scarring on some yeah. level. Like right. I, yeah, I mean, I hope my mom's not listening to this, but in my, <laughs> in my like college and early 20 years, I was like the blowjob queen of Murray Hill in New York City. <laughs> oh, I heard of you. No, yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, you, I read one Cosmo article like in college and I was like, oh, well, I'll just do steps one, two, and three. <laughs> and I just, and I think that was like my rebellion. Like I never smoked. I never did drugs. Like I was a good kid. And I just think being the blowjob queen of Manhattan in 2000 was like my rebellion. I think well, your mom, your mom like set you up for that there, right? Like totally did. And I, 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 I gotta figure out the better answer when my daughter asks that question. But yeah, I just think it, it, I just, that's the message. It's a magical place. Yeah. It is. Um, and I just think that's, that's what we have to be doing. And, uh, you know, if you sprinkled fairy dust on your vagina for Valentine's day, more power to you. I was really proud that, my followers, like my, my bigger community now, um, jumped on board with trying new things like that. I'm happy about, I think we should always be trying new things in bed. And for me, I think toys is the best way to, well, a really good way to do that. Um, because so many of us need clit stim and like to, to orgasm. So I was really happy about that. And I get great feedback. Like the thing I've been working this week, like my DMs, I don't know about you, but so many women, they don't want to talk about it publicly, right? So I always tell brands this. I'm like, so when you look at my engagement levels, you have to take into account that these are mothers who don't want to be public about their sex lives. I said, but I can show you data on my direct messages because mm-hmm. like that's where it's private and everything. Say So this week, what I've really been focusing on the week after the postmortem on Valentine's Day is the incredible response I've gotten from people being like, that was amazing. I love my new toy. What am I getting next? Like, so that's what I've spent my week doing, which has actually been really fulfilling. So yeah. what are what are people buying? What what do you recommend? What let's talk about that. Um, so I finally have an online store, which has yes. been a game changer, um, which is great. But I I think I, we talked about this last time. So I, my this whole business was built on a cock ring, um, a boudoir shoot, you know, um, um, as you know, how powerful they are, and a cock ring. And I've literally talked about the cock ring so much that I'm so bored with it. So I don't promote that anymore. Right, I'm like, right. You're like, I need a change. It's the promotion on cock rings. It's over. Like, <laughs> moving on. So right now, the bestseller is um, what I call a clit sucker, which sounds ridiculous. I know. You guys, I wish you could have just seen Jen's face. When I said <laughs> well, they can. I am recording the video. Maybe we should put that on. Yeah, <laughs> she just gave an Elvis lip. Well, like, it's like it's like I'm I'm just trying to what? picture what that looks like. <laughs> what? Um, so explain. Okay, so officially, it's it, what it does is it uses like air technology to wrap around your clit and suck it. Basically, it never touches your clit, which is like kind of the most amazing thing. And what winds up happening is number one, your clit never gets fatigued. So I think we all understand that like feeling of like, don't touch me, I'm done. Like, I'm done. No, no, now it's hurting. Like, now we're all done. And especially with a vibrator, like that can really happen because you're literally banging your clit the whole time. So, this toy is remarkable because your clit literally never gets touched. 
So it can't fatigue. And what winds up happening is it really concentrates the blood flow to your whole area so that you wind up having these full body orgasms that are unlike anything you've ever had. They rip through your body. They happen very quickly, which is just a mom <laughs> advantage. Like you can have an you. orgasm in <laughs> like, like two avoid. minutes, like literally 30 seconds you could get going. Like if you aren't even a lit, if you read like three pages of 50 shades of gray and then you use this thing like you are done in 30 seconds and the best part is because it never touches your clit you can keep going like people you could have i'm not joking this is not an exaggeration five orgasms in five minutes like it's nuts and so um that right now is my bestseller. And, uh, well, I mean, you sell it girl. <laughs> I, well, because it's game changing. Yeah. Like it is, I, I, I would cry if I lost it. Wow. Like I might, I might not save my wedding album if there were a fire <laughs> in my house, but I would take that. Like I would definitely take that, and I got married like before digital. But like, there's no right, other who needs copy. memories. Yeah, <laughs> there's no other like digital copy of my wedding album. Like that. Yeah, as a photographer, you're hurting my heart a little. I know. I'm really sorry. I know, <laughs> but like, I'm actually saying that to you on purpose so that you really understand. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get love. it. Wait, hold and on, while I log on to your store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the necessity of that toy. And it's actually really funny. I, I sometimes feel like, damn, did I oversell that? Like, did I, you know what I mean? But I do have a cult following on it. And women like will come to me like very quietly be like, my best friend told me I need this thing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, right, right, right. Clit sucker. Okay, here it is. But I was actually um, in LA recently and I was having a, 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 converse, a random conversation with um, a friend of a friend. And she was like, what do you do? And I told her and she's like, oh, my friend, she took me to the pleasure chest and I got this thing. It's a clit sucker. And I was like, tell me everything. And she's like, <laughs> oh my God. And then she literally spits back to me the stuff I always say. And I'm like, see? I knew it. That's so funny. <laughs> exactly. So, circle. Um, <laughs> yeah, circle. That's my number one seller at the moment. But I do have so many newbies, like so many people who are new to sex toys. Like I would say 80% of my clients, customers are new to sex toys. And that is maybe not exactly the sex toy I would recommend for a first timer. Like I probably recommend like a really great, just straight up clip vibe, like yeah. something that really, I have a couple that I love that are, you know, not just bullets. Like they really curve to your body and they're soft and they're great. That's where I start people. Yeah. You know, the clit sucker is your third toy, like your <laughs> second or third toy. And I compare sex toys to clothing because people think you just need one sex toy, like one and done. And I'm like, um, you do not have one pair of shoes. You do not have one pair of jeans. We all know we have 15 pairs of jeans, right? And like when you go out on date night, what you wear is really different than what you wear to school pickup. And so there's a sex toy that is like your favorite pair of jeans that you always come back to and is, you know, just a workhorse and you know is reliable. And then you have like your high heels, your date night shoes that like is really for special occasion and is really going to like amp it up. And, and so... 
women can understand that. That's like a very relatable, you know, putting that in context. And it's true. Like you have to build a toy wardrobe. Like you do. Because frankly, I did this experiment where I used my favorite vibrator, like not the clit sucker, but a different one that I was obsessed with. It was just so great. I loved it. And I was, I only used it that for like two or three weeks. By the end of the two or three weeks, I'm like, oh God, again? Like, no, I don't, I, you know, you get bored. Like you yeah. really can. If you eat the same flavor of ice cream, like you're gonna get well, do bored. You th- I mean, I don't, I, I know you're not a scientist and I, I'm certainly not a scientist or a doctor or anything, but do you think that the body reacts like, it's like doing the same exercise over and over and over, yes. eventually your body sort of plateaus and then you need yes. to change it up a little bit. Yes. I mean, you definitely can get desensitized if you use the same toy in the same position all the time, which is why I think you need different ones that hit your body in different ways. And yeah, exactly like working out. That's a perfect analogy. Um, yeah, you definitely do. I mean, there's no question in my mind about that. Maybe some people, would, as you said, we're not scientists, but it's been my personal experience. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Do you, and I don't remember if we talked about this last time, so I'm going to bring it up. But even if we did, let's talk about it again. Do you find that there's women out there that want to experiment with these toys, but their husbands are feel, or they feel bad even bringing it to their husbands because their husbands might feel inadequate? Yeah. Explain that a little bit. That's become one of the number one questions I've gotten in the past six months, which I find really fascinating. Um, I don't know what the tidal wave on that is, but people really want to know that. Um, I think maybe because the women are getting braver about bringing them in. And so they want to know how to sort of get that in. So I usually find that the men who are hesitant to use it, it is a confidence thing, mm-hmm. right? We all know that male egos are very fragile, mm-hmm. you know, much more than ours are. And so the way that I recommend introducing one if you think that your husband or partner is going to be apprehensive. I mean, there are some of us who are like, oh, he's dirty. He's going to take that thing in a minute, you know? Um, or if it gets him laid more, he's going to say yes, right. you know, which was my husband's point of view for sure. Um, but if you think he's going to be hesitant or you're nervous about it, I truly recommend texting an introduction to the toy. Because what that and and by that I mean either taking a picture of the toy, maybe you screenshot it from the internet if you haven't bought it yet, or if you bought it a, a picture of it. I even say this like for sex position, like if you're you know like interested in trying anal or whatever, like that you take a picture of it and you send it to your partner via text or email, however you guys communicate, and you say. I saw this and I thought it was really hot. I would really love to try it with you. Or like, I think it would be super hot if we tried it together. And what that does is it allows him to have his moment of insecurity without having to see you. Yeah. And you having to see him right now. I remember you, I remember we did talk about this last time too. Yeah. Yeah, So like, and you don't have to see him either. So you don't have to see that that face like that I made before. I was like, what, what is that? Yeah. And it doesn't, yeah. Yeah. So you give him some privacy to yeah. like process it. And if you're not going to use, and and then hopefully he comes back and is like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that has worked really well. I get a lot of feedback from women saying like, that was great because men are visual. Like their men's arousal biologically is visually based. That's why when we show up in lingerie, 
the Snapchat filter, like, (laughs) like whatever you do to your women on your Photoshopping is like what, you know, how you smooth out all their cellulite and stuff. Like that's exactly what happens to them when you show up in laundry and your cellulite actually is visible. They don't see it. Like, I don't, it's why men typically were more attracted to porn, right? They're just visually aroused. And so if you're going to show him a picture of how he's going to get laid and he can visualize it, he's going to be turned on. He's going to have to choke back his manhood a little bit. Um, But it should work. It really should work. The truth is it's not like, it's not really a fair comparison either. It's not like, and it's not like you could say, oh, well, you know, I need a toy because you're not doing this. It could have nothing to do with that. It could be like, you're great about it. I just want something different. Yeah. I just want to take it to the next level. Like I just want to experiment. You know, like I just, we've been having sex for 15 years. It's amazing. But like, let's just try something new. It's like trying a new restaurant, right? Right? Like, it's just like, let's try that place. I heard really good reviews about it. If we don't like it, we can always go back to our favorite, you know? And, and I think when you position it that casually, it does take it down a level. I, I, I've been on this podcast called A Marriage in Martinis and it's a husband and wife. And I love that because the husband really gives like input. I'm like, am I right? And he's like, totally, like a hundred percent, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so that's nice to know, you know? And I, I, unfortunately, I have to say if your partner is like, hell no, that's insulting. I'm not going to do it. Then you're kind of married to an asshole. Yeah. I'm sorry. You know, like I just don't see any good way out of that. You know, like I just think the guy has to say, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I've gotten really good feedback on that. Um, And I, (laughs) one of my favorite things is when the husbands get in touch with me and they're like, thank you. That was amazing. (laughs) Like she's wanting to have sex all the time now. Like you're awesome. What else can I buy? Right. Yeah. That yeah, is. that's the thing. If they sort of put their egos aside, it works for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the hope, right? Yeah. Oh man. So, and you know, it's interesting because you say like women are changing. We're getting braver. We're we're really getting more in touch with our own needs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's not a joke that orgasms release hormones and chemicals that make us feel better. And I think. This generation of women is more educated. Like we all know that we all have a higher level of stress. I think the emphasis now on self-care is really high. I think that there's so much less shame in taking care of yourself and empowering yourself especially sexually. I mean, the whole Me Too movement of women reclaiming their rights sexually and prosecuting them, we've taken ownership of ourselves. Um, Much like the Gloria Steinem years when we first sort of like reclaimed ourselves with birth control and, you know, all of that free love. This is, I think, a second generation of that. Mm -hmm. And it's freaking awesome. Yeah. the fact that I can be at the forefront of it and like kind of leading it a bit is, is pretty awesome. I'm so curious. Have you worked with any women like menopausal women? Yeah, definitely. This is, this is interesting. It's not something I've really talked about so publicly, but I'm, I'm about to obviously. So I have been put on Lupron every month to put me into menopause because they say that my, you know, my cancer was hormone fed and I take tamoxifen, which is a hormone blocker. So it blocks the estrogen from my cells. And so the theory is behind it, if you are in menopause, you have making less estrogen. So the tamoxifen doesn't have to work so hard. So they put me into sort of an artificial 
menopause now. And I definitely see a difference in my sex drive and in my body. Are you drier? Yeah. uh, Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I don't, that's not an area that I struggle a lot, but yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, And it's just so interesting. And I'm just wondering how you work with menopausal women, what you hear from them. And if this is another area that can help, because, you know, I'm sure I'm not the only one out there listening or talking, you know, that's going through these body changes. Yeah. So demographically, this is kind of interesting. The over 60 set is, are the ones having the most sex? In right, the country, right. So which this is kind I, of crazy. By the way, I know that, and I've been like sort of holding on to that because I'm like, <laughs> what is happening here to my body? I'm only 44. I'm not even 44. I'm 43, and you know, I, I'm not really ready for this. You know, and, and I don't. Yeah. And you know, I I realize that. Um, you know, I still have a need to feel sexy, to feel wanted, to, to want sex you know, to, to feel attractive, especially after all the surgeries and everything that I've been through. So I was kind of like, this is bullshit. Like, I'm not, I don't, this is like, I don't want to get gypped of that. I'm too young for right. that. <laughs> you know? I think, I think it is, um, I, I find for the menopausal group, like that area, number one, vaginal dryness is a huge thing. So you have, I always, you know, that's a place where we have to go you know, certainly more viscous and, um, you know, thicker on your lubes, longer lasting ones. I tend to recommend silicone lubes because they last a lot longer. Like they're almost impossible to dilute and stop. And so with that woman, you have to use a non-silicone toy. So it affects like which toys I would recommend. Silicone with silicone, they never get off each other. You'll ruin it. Um, So you have to do silicone with plastic or metal, but there are good like water-based ones too. So that's the first thing is dryness. The second thing is it is a more empowered group, which is like really interesting. Like they're not because we're all more mature, right? It's even a more mature, um, confident group emotionally, Mm -hmm. right? So they are a lot less scared to try new things, which is awesome. I think, I think they're much more in touch with their bodies actually, Mm -hmm. because they've been living in them for a lot longer and they don't have the shame in that. It's not an old enough generation like our grandparents, right? Like, so there's that. Um, But that group of women, it is the emotional piece that needs the most work because your body is going through a second change much the way it did postpartum, Mm -hmm. right? Like the body you now have to live in in menopause or your postmenopausal life is very different than your fertile years, mm-hmm. you know? And it's very, that emotional toll that it takes, like you're holding on to weight more, you know? Um, yeah. Like, especially that I find, especially in your middle, you know, yeah, which see, is I'm not gaining. I, I have maybe gained a few pounds, but I haven't, it's like shifting where it's right. Going. Right. Exactly. And that's a big deal. Like we're all self-conscious of our stomachs, you know? And so to be holding your weight there can be really depressing and very difficult. And it is kind of reminiscent of your, you know, immediate postpartum and you're like, okay, so this is my new reality. And so I find that the, that, you know, menopausal women need a lot of confidence boosting Mm. um, and they need a lot of solutions to dressing and dressing in the bedroom where they can see themselves as still sexy and that the shift in their bodies does no longer, def- it isn't going to define them as quote unquote older or different. Yeah. You know, it's um, yeah, like the, um, in a way, like, cause I see my daughter going through puberty and she's just getting this woman's yeah. body. Right. And I'm like, um, 
I don't want to say I'm jealous of her because I'm not, I had my time, but I, yeah, I of course, I hope that she can appreciate, right? Like that, that's, that's going back to sort of like your vagina is magical, right? Like yeah. your body is magical. Yeah. But yet at times there's been attack on the femininity, right? There's attack, yeah. there's like infertility, there's postpartum depression, there's, po- you know, just PMS or having a yeah. baby or whatever. And then again, going through for me, cancer or menopause or whatever. It's like, it, it constantly feels as if for me, the femininity is under attack, you know, all the time, all the time, all the time. And it's, <laughs> we are talking about resentment before. I mean, I'm pretty resentful of men or the men in my life that they don't have to deal with that. You know, I mean, could they get dad bods? Sure. But that would, they don't only give take, a shit like, and it doesn't matter. But they don't give a shit <laughs> and it doesn't matter. And it would honestly take three weeks at the gym and a 500 calorie cut and they'd be like totally bad. Right. And that would never happen to us, you right. know? And I think the transition, what I've seen is the transition into menopause I think leaves a lot of women initially feeling less than womanly. Yeah. And old. And by the way, and old. And old. And so like old is like a terrible word, right? Terrible. I was just having this conversation this morning. Uh, I've been taking Muay Thai as like a kickboxing class. It's part of my, well, I'm going to get my body back together and I'm going to do hard things. Yeah. Okay. So I was talking to a woman there who's the same age as me. She's 43. And she was saying how, you know, I still feel like I'm 20. I still feel like I'm in college. I don't feel old. And and my answer to her is we've been taught that 40 is old. We've oh, been yeah. taught that, but it doesn't mean that it's true. No. If decided that all of a sudden you're in your 40s, I think that they consider it old because technically we're, you know, not so much in our fertile years anymore, although there's plenty of right. babies in their 40s. You know, so we've just been taught that. Like, and it really was so uh, mind-blowing for me this morning because I thought to myself, you know what? I need to change my mind mm-hmm. because I look in the mirror often and I see the changes that are happening and going, wow, I'm starting to age. I'm starting to look old. And you know, for me, it's like saying, well, you know what? Menopause, I'm not going to let menopause steal away the youth that I do have left, right? I'm not going to let it steal that. And so maybe that means getting a toy and having you know, better sex or having more fun or being more in touch with the body, but something has to make you feel alive. Absolutely. Like, do you see that when you have an older woman come in for a boudoir shoot? No, I mean, that's the thing. I, this is why boudoir is such a gift to me because I'm able to step outside myself and say, okay, what do I see when I look at other people? No, I don't see that. But I, I do see there's like an envy. Like for me, I'll look at a younger woman and be like, oh, she's so lucky. She still has her period, which yeah. we don't think we want to get rid of. You know, oh, she still has her period. Look at her hair looks so soft and her skin looks so nice. And I don't know if I'll ever have that again. You know, you start, it's very easy. Oh, yeah. That spiral of like, am I just washed up? Have my best years gone past me? Or, you know, and then I have to stop and go, you know what? That's bullshit. It's in your control. You know, it's in your control. These could totally. be the best years of your life. You don't have your period. You can go swimming anytime you want. I mean, <laughs> it's like, seriously. you know, yeah. I'm never going to stay in a pair of underwear or jeans again. Ever. Like my daughter just recently got her period. She would die if she knew I was talking about this, but she just recently got her period. And you know, she's asking me all these questions about tampons and pads. And I'm like, I am so glad I never have to deal with that. Right. Again. I mean, but when you have an older woman come in for a boudoir shoot, do you find her to be more confident or more self-conscious? Yeah. More confident, more beautiful, more wise. Yeah. Um, 
more feminine, more attractive. I mean, more of everything. There, there is no doubt in my mind that a 60 year old woman that comes to the studio to celebrate her birthday is somebody that I admire and I look up to and I want to be like way more than, and no offense to anybody than a 22 year old that walks in, that's about to get married that I want to coddle and say, you know, nothing about life. Yeah. Of <laughs> yeah. Course. Like and your boobs are perky right. and your stomach's flat. And they but, go, oh my God, yeah. I hate my body. And I just, yeah. I'm like, I just can't, like, I just I can't, can't listen to you. <laughs> but listen, I was that girl at one point, you know, yeah. we, we all are, we all were. At one point. So yeah, I think there's something about this middle age area. Maybe well, I, it, you're like it, what? the what? fact that you just said that word too, middle, middle age. age, like I'm 40, I'm about to be 41 and 40 was really hard for me. And I feel, I feel badly saying that, or I feel shallow saying that, like I'm supposed to be way more advanced, like intellectual and advanced and empowered than that. Like it shouldn't, me of all people should not be like held back by a number and like whatever, but I took that hard. Me too. Like really hard because 40 to me, a woman in her forties was old. Mm-hmm. Like even at 35, a woman in her forties was old to me. And did I look like that? Was I that person all of a sudden? Like, am I, am I that? Have I have officially hit middle age? And it's like, that is a horrifying idea because middle age, we have been sold that middle age is mom jeans minivans, complete dedication to both our parents, our aging parents and our growing children that were no fun anymore, that were frankly kind of dorky. Like we totally lost our coolness. Mm -hmm. Um, And that to me was like, no, I can't be there. Are you kidding me? Because I, I, but at the same time, it was like, okay, I'm here. Like, okay, I'm here. Right, like, I can't stop time. What am I so going to do? What am I going to do about it? Here I am. I have to reframe how I feel about it. Yeah. I, I'm not saying that was an overnight thing. I'm still struggling with it. Like the fact that I'm turning 41 and, you know, whatever. It's like, okay, well, we're continuing on. Because <laughs> when I turned 40, I, turning 40 was really hard. Really, really hard for me. Really hard. Being 40 wasn't hard. Turning 41 was weird. I was like, wait it doesn't stop at 40. Right. <laughs> like, right. What, exactly. that what, I do? what do you mean now? And then, you know, and then I was diagnosed with cancer and I was like, no, this is bullshit. This is not how the forties are supposed to go. I'm supposed right. to be better than Oprah ever. Said it's the best, right? Like Oprah right. said, it's just supposed to get better. Right. Dear Oprah, this Dear is not Oprah, what's supposed to You happen. lied. Yeah. And now like, I even said to my husband yesterday, am I turning 44 this year? He's like, yeah. I'm like, shit. You're that much closer to 45, which sounds, I mean, awfully close to 50. Awfully close to 50. Right. 50. Like, I I, I just. But, like, by the way, have you seen Jennifer Aniston lately? Like, she's 50. She just turned 50. It's ridiculous. Well, that's, I was just about to say. So, culture pisses me off, like, more than anything. I mean, obviously, I think. I don't know one woman who's like, oh, that's attainable. Like I, you know, Charlie Saron, she's 49. Like, sure, that's what I'm going to look like. So we like all know it, but we still buy People Magazine and Us Weekly. Like we, we obviously, we still do that. And I hate it when they do those like, who's 40? Who's 40? <laughs> who's, and then they show like 10 celebrities in like the 50 and 60 column. And then Jane Fonda is like leading the pack in the 70s. And she does look amazing. But it's like you look at that and I'm like, Gabrielle Union is in her like 40s or almost 50. Like, shit. 
Like that is not what I, you know, and that makes me feel even older, you know, like even older. And it's this horrible thing that like, you know, all the real housewives on Bravo are 50 or 40 plus. I mean, for the majority they are, but they, they're filling their faces with so much stuff to fight the system. And it's, yeah, I struggle like, with that big time. Like I'm so, my face is so ready for Botox, but I don't have you gotten it. it before. I have not. I, I, and see, this is the thing. I feel badly saying this, but it game changed me. And I waited till right before my 40th birthday. It was like, my friends were like, dude, it's time. Like you're mm-hmm. turning 40. Like, let's do this. It's getting bad. <laughs> I was like, great. Thank you so much. So, but I went and I have to say it really boosted my self-confidence mm-hmm. and I guess I just have to own that. Like, I just have to own the fact that it did make me feel better. And I'm at an, you know, uh, economic level where I can afford it three or four times a year. And it does make me feel better. Mm. You know, maybe that's my lingerie, right? Like that does make me feel sexier, I gotta say. Mm. And so I think I have no judgment. Like whatever you need to do to feel young or vibrant or sexy, like do it. You know, like you should do it. Um, and the Botox really does help me. I'm actually like, nobody can see this, but like I, I'm due and I had to cancel yesterday because I forgot, I was supposed to go yesterday and I didn't realize my kids were off. Kids. So like I couldn't, I mean, I'm not going to bring my under 10 kids to watch their mom get needles in their face. It would like horrify them. It is horrifying when you think about it. So I had to change my appointment for two weeks from now. And I was like, I'm such, I'm, this is ridiculous. I look fine. Like this is, I could go another month, you know what I mean? Like yeah. this is so stupid. And it is in our minds, a lot of it, you know, I remember getting the Botox for the first time. My husband was very against it. Yeah. He's like, I don't know. Yeah. He's like, why would you inject a toxin into yeah. your face? Like there's no data on long-term data on it. Like, why would you do that? And I'm like, I don't know, but I, I don't know. <laughs> Cause I want yeah. to. It feels like Advil, right? Like at this point, it seems so benign that I don't know. Um, So I got it, and then it. I was sitting with him, and he was like, "You look so nice," and I'm like, "Do I?" Mm. Yeah, you just look so pretty tonight, and I was like, "Uh huh." I got Botox, you idiot. Right. Like, see, you like it. And he was like, oh. You know, he's like, well, so I funny. thought you were beautiful beforehand. I'm like, you're obligated to say right. that. Dig, dig, yeah. a, dig a deeper hole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I have this eyebrow that like moves up and down. Yeah, you really do. How fabulous is that? I know. I get a lot of comments on this eyebrow. And I'm afraid you if know. I have Botox, I won't be able to move it anymore. Well, you can ask him to preserve it. I always say, how will my children know I'm serious? Is that right? My eyebrow. <laughs> I mean, the, the non-facial facial expressions, you can communicate with that eyebrow. It's a good mom eyebrow. Yeah, it's a great mom eyebrow. It serves <laughs> a lot of purposes. Yeah, right? It's a sexy eyebrow. <laughs> it is. And a... the problem is, it's like, it's like, I can't really control it. It only <laughs> happens like when I'm like thinking a certain thing or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of like wearing my heart on my sleeve. Like people will be like, what? I'm like, what do you mean? Like your eyebrow went up. I'm like, oh shit, really? <laughs> you know? So your eyebrow is kind of like a guy's dick. Yeah, <laughs> but it's on my face. <laughs> it just like, it just happens and they can't control it. It's like your eyebrow is the cock of your face. It is. It's bad. <laughs> Amazing. Like, put that thing down. That's actually one of the things I love the most about the Botox is it like gives you kind of like an eye lift. But yeah. I do think you have to do whatever it is that makes you feel confident and sexy. And I, as we age, that is the first thing we lose. 
A hundred percent. And it's depressing. I mean, rates of depression just go up as you get older, you know, and you can sort of understand why. Yeah, it is. And And I'm I'm glad that we're talking about it because, you know, you and I both come from a place of an empowering, empowering job and empowering thoughts and empowering people. And yet we still struggle with it. Oh yeah. And I don't lie about it. You know, like I, I will be very honest about, yeah, that I'm struggling with that or that I hate my C-section scar. Yeah. Like, I don't care that my babies came from there. I know I'm supposed to be like, oh, it's a remembrance of the most beautiful things in the world. I'm like, I hate this thing. It is a canyon. There is a ledge, like a pot belly that I will never get rid of. That is always there. Like, I hate this thing. Don't tell me I'm supposed to love it. You know, like I am really real about it. My, you know, I have back fat. It's horrible. Like that is where like I store my fat and this is horrible handle thing in back. And so I don't wear back revealing clothes clothes. Like I show the front instead of the back, but like, we have to be honest about it. We're all flawed and it doesn't serve anyone. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's detrimental to women to pretend like those things don't exist. I, I have unfollowed so many people on Instagram because they do nothing but make me feel badly. Right. Um, and <laughs> why would I voluntarily now of course Instagram is a huge part of our businesses. Right. Yeah. And, and so a lot of the time I'm on there, for business. Um, but when I'm not, why would I voluntarily spend my time looking at people that make me feel badly about myself? Yeah. Like that is, why would I do that? That's like a self-awareness that like, you know, we just think that like we're, we're given so much information and so many photos and magazines and TV, we can't control a lot of it. And some of it we can. Yeah. I, I have recently stopped following a lot of uh, accounts. Also, I used to follow like uh, transformation accounts mm-hmm. where like, oh, you know, somebody would lose a hundred pounds or whatever, because I, I always found it um, like really inspirational and if yeah. they do it, I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I started getting really real and being like, okay, these people are all 25 years old. Correct. Oh, it's snowing, bastard. Um, oh, <laughs> it's no. coming to you. It's coming. I guess, I guess closing school was a good idea. All right. Uh, fine. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I started going, you know what? Here's the thing. I am not that person. I can't look at that person and relate to that person at nope. all. I'm nope. different than that person. So I needed to stop following and going, okay, well, who, what do I want the best me to look like? That's right not the best somebody else that I'm comparing myself to. No, correct. And I think you're right. That's a good point about the self-awareness. You know, I think a lot of people go through social media and they don't know why they're feeling bad about it. You know, they, they aren't kind of clear, but they know that it's, they walk away being like, hmm. And the problem is too, you know, you're a photographer. I've worked in media my whole life in magazines and what have you. I know how curated those images are. You know, a lot of the, you know, the influencers who have now become like internet stars, there's a, there's a photographer with lighting, there's post photo editing happening. She's got an assistant, you know, there's a stylist who picked out her clothes, her children are being cared for on the side. Like, and, and she's also taken, as you know, she's probably taken five setups in one day. Mm -hmm. So she has six months of photos happening. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but you know, a woman who has not worked in that industry or maybe is not as sophisticated or what have you, she has no idea. She thinks that's what, that's woman's normal Tuesday morning, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, 
how do we ever meet that? You know, I see this all the time. Um, I'm very interested in, I follow a lot of influencers. I'm so interested Mm -hmm. in like the psychology of influencers and I I follow them. And I I often think like, what the hell are they influencing? Well, right. All they're doing is selling products, selling someone else's product. um, And they're disingenuous about it because they're just kind of money whores. Like, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be rude. No, listen, I consider in my industry, I'm considered an influencer, right? But I think it's really about how you go about it and and what you talk about and what you live, incorporating it into your real life. I mean, I just, the other day, speaking of Valentine's day, I was seeing how all the, um, all the influencers like in the fashion world are all popping up with their heart pictures against the heart wall. You know that you took that nine months ago, you know? And then they're like in the comments, well, today I'm wearing my pajamas, but this is what I look like. I'm like, then show yourself in your pajamas, my friend. You know, I, I, I'm really rejecting aspirational and I'm embracing, you know, authentic. Like, I just think we need to have a shift. And I think that's a huge, I love what you just said is that what are you influencing? Right. You know, the market is so flooded with quote unquote fashion bloggers, Mm -hmm. which are just these women who put outfits together from their closet or from a brand and then take this picture. Are you so, like, I'm so interested in what you think. There is now a type photo where like, like they're looking off to the side and down and they have their like hand up on their hair and someone it's like, they're supposed to be like looking over their shoulder nonchalantly. Like you see that photo everywhere. Nobody looks in the camera. Yeah. You know, they're all like far off looking. Right, like it's supposed to be. So anyway, I, let me just tell you in fairness, I started an Instagram recently called um, short legs, tall dreams. And it's just a fun passion project. And I take a lot of photos, selfies, yeah. Um, yeah fashion stuff. And the reason why I started it was because I was like, there is nobody, not nobody, but there's very few women in my generation of my body type represented in this area. And I'm not making money on it or anything. I'm just kind of doing it just to show a different angle. Right. Yeah. And so I take my own pictures and I often do the whole, don't look at the camera thing, mostly because I don't have makeup on. And I, (laughs) um, but this is the thing about it. You're a hundred percent right. What's, what started pissing me off going through these influencers was that they were all looked exactly the same. Exactly the same. Like I, I, I would used to play a game. I would go through and look at the influencers and guess, see if I could guess who it was. And it was so hard. You can't. That you can't. They all have the same hairstyle. They all look the same. same makeup, all, same outfits, same, same brands outfit. that they represent. And it's just, it's boring. It like is. it's really boring. And I, not, it's not realistic at no. all, at it's, all. If and I, I don't identify. I don't identify with... Listen, I'm not 25 years old. If I was, maybe I'd be like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. I don't identify with it. So who's out there showing you know, the world what 40-something is like? I love it, girl. Like, do it. I mean, I'll tell you my best... My best um, posts, like Instagram posts, are when I'm not poised. Yeah. You know, like when I'm not... Well, this is why I do my Instagram. I do my Instagram myself every single day. Every single day. Like you could tell what's going on in my life just by my Instagram post. I say that all the time. I don't have a photographer. Like I wish I did. I wish you were my best friend who lived down the street and you just take my pictures. But I don't have that. These are all selfies. I don't have an assistant. I wish I had an assistant. I don't have one. Um, And so you'll never see like a head-on shot of me because I don't have access to that. So I... I hope and what I hope that my pictures come across as like just me because 
they're not styled and curated and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And the best engagement levels I get are the ones where I'm like, just really honest about how I look. Um, and I love that because I think that's just what we're craving. I mean, that's the whole that you saw, right. For this passion project Mm. that, I mean, I think I've always meant to ask you about this is I found you well before you were doing this podcast because I was do- wanted to do a photo shoot and you your stuff is so beautiful. And I remember looking through your stuff and I thought, oh my God, she's so cool. She like gives lessons to other photographers like Nikon and like, or whatever. Can- it's Nikon, Nikon right? Nikon, 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 yeah. Nikon. I was like, this is so cool. And you had this one, I know what the woman was wearing. It's a hunter green bodysuit. Yes, I know what you're is wearing. Yes. And you do this example same ass and back, yeah. <laughs> just a different position. Yes, and it's like I want to show that I want you to teach every single woman in America how to do that because it's transform. It's self transformative. You see yourself in such a different way. Like, wow, these same ass that I hate when I look at myself in a bathing suit can look like J Lo's ass. Right. Like this is amazing. And I didn't have to do anything but change my legs and my hips. Like I need I need you to teach, I need you to send like um a pamphlet to every like a postcard mailing to every woman in America. Because <laughs> I think we all your ass could look like this too. Your ass could look like this. Just cross your legs differently. Right. By the way, your ass does look like this. You just don't know it. Really. Well, and that's the message. Yeah. Right? Like you're already sexy and beautiful. You just don't realize it. Yeah. Um, and so I put another post up on my Instagram page. I don't know if you saw it, but it was like the tale of two clients. Yes. Okay. That I mean, yes, that one too. I could not believe, and I would like to think I'm really savvy about these things, um, that that was the same person. I mean, I had a feeling because I know you and I know your style and I know your message, but that was remarkable. So I'm going to I'm going to tell you a secret. You and and all the people that are listening to this podcast, that's actually a self-portrait. Fuck off. Swear to God. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And I, you know what? I didn't say anything because it's not really like, you know, I was like, I don't really need everybody to know it's my ass. But that was a moment in which I needed the message. I needed it. Yes. To, what? Whatever. Who can, I, this is, I can either choose to see this or I can choose to see that. And for anybody that didn't see it, it was really the tale of two clients. It was showing uh, a butt picture. One looked horrible and full of cellulite and awful. And the other one looked round and curvy and no cellulite and whatnot. And it was just a change of pose. And it was really about how you know, you think about yourself and you can choose to see yourself one way or the other. And yeah, it was a moment where I was like, I need this today. So I'm going to do this and I'm going to share the message with everybody else. But I just didn't tell everybody that it was my backside. I think you should. I think you should have. I think you should repost it and be like, FYI, this was me. Because you you live your own message. Like you realize that you needed to see yourself differently, just like your clients need to see themselves differently so that they can embrace what you're doing. Like, so they can embrace themselves. I'll tell you why I didn't. I didn't because I didn't want it to turn into a, oh, you're so beautiful, Jen. You're so oh, yeah, yeah, about yeah. me. Yeah. No, no, no. I hear you. I wanted I it to you. be about the anonymous person that could no, be anybody. You. And people say, wow, look, you know, and there was even the one person that was like, I think her ass looks great in both pictures. And I was like, yeah, I was about to say, I did think your ass actually looked good in both pictures. And I actually thought the point of the post, because I think, was it the first page was the un- 
unposed one in the second page or were they side by side? They were side to side. Yeah. So I actually thought before I even really looked at it, that the message was going to be like, even though this touch doesn't look, you know, like what we would think, the client's pictures were amazing and she walked out like so empowered and, you know, whatever. But I love that that was you. Yeah. But it's a, it is, all it takes is a shift of your hips and your legs. Like how easy is that? Just change how you look. Right. Eat the cookie and push your hips away from the camera. That's it. (laughs) It is for serious. I have to say when I, uh, so I was born, like I should be on a, like a Polish potato farmer. Like I am not a skinny, tall you know, Scandinavian, like in any way, like I have to fight the system every single day. So my thighs, I don't know, like what are those like ectomorph, endomorph, like your body types? Yeah. Like three body types, like Gwyneth Paltrow is like an ectomorph, 80% of us are endomorphs. So anyway, my body, like my thighs are made to touch each other. Like no matter how skinny I get or whatever, like at some point my thighs are touching each other, which is sort of like, the beauty kiss of death. I don't know who decided that that was the kiss of death or like the, the, the fat button, but like that's is. So I figured out from my boudoir shoot that if I just tuck my hips back, yeah. my thighs will separate, yeah. you know, even in like jean shorts or jeans or leggings or whatever. So I just, I put that on my Instagram. I'm like, you guys forward, they touch back. They don't just take a selfie of yourself, like send the sexy pic with your ass back like yes. just do that you can it's all it's all position positioning is everything yeah like, Listen, it's all it's it's positioning but it's all perception and that's really yeah. like i think bringing it back full circle it's perception how do you see yourself how do you want to see yourself you know regardless of what you're going through menopause or having a baby or you know anything in between how do you want to see yourself it's all about perception yeah it is and i'm not gonna lie changing is really hard. It's really hard. I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, just decide that you're beautiful and that's great. Like, <laughs> it takes a lot of work. It is a conscious decision daily to make the shift, yeah. right? To think in your head that your tush is side two over side one. Um, but it's practice. If we keep doing it, we will start to really make a permanent shift. And some days we're not we're going to slip back and that's okay. And I hate saying this, you know, I hate telling women that it takes effort. I'm sorry. I always apologize for it because we're so busy. You know, our to-do lists are so long and we have so much we have to do that like adding this perspective shift and maybe the small amount of effort to put on some lipstick just so you feel nice. Um, It takes work. It takes work to put yourself down too. Yes. Great point. Exactly. It, it takes a lot of work to hate on yourself. It takes a lot of work, you know. Well, so where do you want to put the work? Well, it's that, um, right? It takes like 47 muscles to make a frown, but right. like two to make a smile, right. you know? Right. Or that idea of like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die or something. It, that's what it is. We're drinking our own poison. And, yeah. and we have to stop doing that. And that's, I hope, what women get out of my feed. I know that's what they get out of your feed. Yeah. Um, but like today, nobody can see me, but you, but I'm dirty hair and I have no makeup. I'm not even wearing a bra. I went out in public and I have absolutely no bra on and that's okay. My boobs are touching my belly button. But here's, 
Mine or not. One of I know. Favorites. I know. But that that feels like a positive, right? <laughs> it's a little positive. Yeah, it's a little positive. Uh, but you listen, you know, I look at you and I'm like, whatever, you still look gorgeous. You know, I don't I don't see you any differently. And that's, you know, we just need to start seeing ourselves in the eyes of others. Absolutely. And, and the truth is we never think we're good enough for the partner in our life. Like we always think like, oh, he sees my back fat and he's... Men don't even know what back fat is. No, no yeah. they, they have no idea. Like yeah. you, you say like, oh, does this show my back fat? They're like, what are you talking about? Right, right. And the truth is, is they think we're beautiful. Yeah. They want to have sex with us all the time. Like they want to kiss us. They think we're gorgeous. We have to believe them. Yes. We have to believe them. And I... um. I went to, I go to Vegas like twice a year for work, which is awesome. And, um, Vegas is just a place where like the feminine body is on display in a myriad of ways, in good ways, in bad ways, in whatever. But there is a ton of like boobs out, short skirts, hair extensions, you know, there's a lot of that. And I was watching women look at those women and I thought, you know, sort of longingly, And I thought to myself, the crazy part is there's a woman looking at you who wishes she had what you have. Yeah. Whether it's your nose or your hair, your boobs or your calves. And we don't realize that, you know, and that's, that for me is perspective shifting Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that, that we're so busy looking at what we're not. Mm-hmm. we don't realize what we are. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. As you said, like we have to start seeing ourselves in the eyes of other people. Yeah. You know, that, it's interesting. I went to this weekend, I took my kids to the museum of illusions in New York. I don't know if you've been, but what is that? It's really cool. It's like this little museum where they have all these different, um, like optical illusions and these rooms that like give optical. It's very cool. It's very, very cool if anybody wants to check it out. And one of the things that they have there is what's called a true mirror. So it allows you to see yourself the way other people see you. So like- Come on. So if you stand in the mirror and you raise your right hand in the mirror, it goes up on the left side, right? So it's like the, like, it's not a mirror reflection. It's a true reflection. It's an opposite. Correct. So you're seeing yourself the way other people see you. You only see yourself in the mirror your whole life, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Unless it's like a photo or whatever, but you're really only seeing yourself in the mirror for the most part. So you think you look a certain way. When you look in this true mirror, you're like, whoa, I don't look like what I think I look like. Was it a mind fuck? A little bit. Did you look different? Yeah. Better or in your mind, (laughs) better or or worse? In my mind, um... I, I immediately went to my nose because my nose is one of those areas that I'm very self-conscious of. And I was really? like, oh, it's why? Like, because it's, it's crooked and it's big and it doesn't, I don't what? really, it's very imperfect. But You're I, the only one who thinks that. I've been told that multiple times, but I immediately went there and I was like, whoa, my nose is way more crooked than I thought it was. Like my face is just, it's weird. Uh, and you know, it was very yeah. crowded. So I was really trying hard not to spend like a lot of time staring at myself in this mirror, like breaking yeah. down and everything. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I tried to get like a good feel of like, well, what do other people, like I'm trying to look at myself as a stranger would look at me. I really tried to do that because- I think that's fascinating. It was a stranger in the mirror is not the person I'm used to seeing. That is insane. I want, I need to go just to do that. Just, I like want to go back just for that and like spend I want to buy one. It, right? <laughs> 
You should, you should get one for your client, like for your studio and like show women. Do you show women like on your camera, like, look how beautiful you are. Look at these shots. I do. And you know, this is not something I do in my photography, but I have to tell you a lot of photographers do this. You know what they'll do? They'll flip an image before they show it to you because they want you to see what you see in the mirror. Cause you recognize that person. It's very similar to when you that's see photos of yourself where you're like, Whoa, it's a little unfamiliar to me. It's because that's the true reflection versus what you think you look like. So some people will reverse the pictures before they show them to a client. And when you produce a, a picture for a client, like final production, is it the reflection or no, is it I the truth? Them, I show them out. It's true. It's true. It's true. Because so that's how they are. That's who they are. Yeah. But often I know a lot of headshot photographers will flip the picture because... They want the they want to see a picture one way and the other way. Yeah, it's crazy. Because I don't really understand, but I want to see. I'm yeah. super curious. I mean, think about it. Like I, you know, for me, I look in the mirror, like I have, if you part your hair to a certain side, right? Like you part it's your hair opposite. to the right side. Right. It's, you're seeing it the opposite your yeah, whole yeah. life. And all of a sudden you see it in a mirror and you're like, whoa, that's weird. That's what everybody else sees. I find that like if I go on television, like if I go on camera, yeah. see myself and I'm like, do I move my jaw like that? Like, do I really talk like <laughs> that? Is that really what my voice sounds like? Yeah. Oh, As man. We, are, we don't hear our voices the way other people no. hear them. No. We don't see ourselves the way other people see us. It's, su- it's such a disconnect. It's really, yes. you know, the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, it's just so crazy. Like, we, well, it is like kind of a thing that's not even reality. Well, now I don't even know who I am. Right. Now, after this conversation, I have no idea who I am. Sorry. Am I good? Am I bad? Am I pretty? Am I ugly? I'm probably all of it. I mean, we're all all of it. I think the crazy thing too about women, and I, I do wish we would show more of this. I mean, I do and you do on our accounts. But men, men like if we're going to think of like a scale of like looking good and looking bad, you know, like 10 looks like your hottest and zero is like your hot mess men just kind of operate within like two numbers, right. you know, like they really only operate between like six and four, or if right. they're like a 10, they only go down to an eight. Like there's not a ton of range. Women literally can go from zero to 10. Like we can look just homeless and awful and like <laughs> sores and like, uh, I do you know, often. <laughs> right. Or we can look like a freaking bombshell in a boudoir shoot. You know, our range is so big. And so unfortunately, we see ourselves through that entire range. It's just easier to see ourselves at zero than it is at 10. But that's a mindfuck too. Yeah. Like we can exist. Unfortunately, we exist in all those places. And it's, it's hopefully we can remember that we can still be a 7, 8, 9, 10. Right. And that's part of why I love what I do to remind people you're always a 10. You just yeah. maybe sometimes, you know, your outside's an, uh, a zero or a one or whatever. You just, you know, but you're always a 10. That 10 is inside. I, I have to tell you, and I'm really sorry I didn't pay up to have you do my boudoir <laughs> shoot, but I was on a budget at the time. But when I, that's why my first boudoir shoot was so transformative. I mean, it was such a Phoenix rising moment because. I just had no idea I had that in me. I didn't know I looked like that. Mm-hmm. And, it, and that was even before I saw the pictures. Yeah. Within the moment of doing it and the energy I was putting out and the and just the beautiful sexiness I felt, it was like I didn't know this woman existed. Yeah. But she does. 
Yeah. And she's not going back in the closet. Right. No, you like, can't. Put I her don't back want in the box. her to. Take her out. You cannot put her like back I just, in the box. It, I just exploded the box and I'm never going back in. It's a genie. She's not going back in the lamp. And it was so powerful. Mm-hmm. And I just knew it did change my life. So you're ready to do it again, right? Oh my God. I would love to do it. It was so fun. You know, I was thinking, I don't know if it's because we were chatting today or not, but I was like, I need to do another one. I mean, I've done like three probably, but I'm like, now I need to do my 41. You know, right. like now I need to do my one in my 40. I just did one in October. And now that they put me in menopause, I'm like, I need a postmenopausal one because sometimes yeah. I look back at those pictures and go, oh, well, of course I looked good because it was pre-menopause. Like it was like four months ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's not yeah, that different. I'm sure your pictures are like exactly the same. Right. Right. But I, maybe I need to know that. You know, like maybe oh, I Oh, 100%. That. It's like your ass shot. Yeah, right. Do you take your own pictures? Um, I have sometimes. I've taken more documentary style pictures of my chest and, and things yeah. like that, but I haven't really done like boudoir photos. I think that there's a very big difference between being in front of your own camera and somebody else's camera. Would you feel safe enough to do it in front of someone else's camera? Well, meaning that like if somebody else takes a photo of yeah, me, that's which I've done. Yeah, I've done yeah. multiple times. I have had other people take my photos and I... I like that because then I get to see what they choose to see versus what I think. Like, I know if I take my pictures, my face is probably going to be more blocked, like you were talking about, or I'm not going to show my stomach or my thighs or whatever, where when another photographer takes a picture of you, they don't have those blocks. So they're going to be like, oh, let me see what I find beautiful, what I see, what hurt. And then they take pictures of things that I might not normally take a picture of, and it comes out really beautiful. And you're like, oh, same thing with the butt shot, right? Like, oh, okay. Maybe my cellulite isn't as bad as I thought it was, or maybe yeah, right. you know, whatever it might be. And so I enjoy being in front of other people's cameras in that way that I get to see what they see. Yeah, that makes sense. That's your truth mirror. That's the truth mirror. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, I, and because I've done a couple of other boudoir shoots since that, since that first one, they're good. They're nice, but they're not my favorite. That first series is my absolute favorite because... I'm projecting this self-aware, this new self-awareness yeah. that can't be bottled, you know, and it, it's, it's there on the page. I mean, Just maybe like not that. everyone sees it, but I see it. I see it in my eyes and I see it in my face mm-hmm. and the other pictures, they're a little more vacant. Like my eyes are a little bit less inspired I think because I I was already like well I know I'm like this I know that I have this side and just like everything else there's something special about the first time yeah except if you know you bled right it hurt but that one yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) I'm so appreciative that you took time out to chat with me today especially with kids getting out early and the snow day and all of that can you tell everybody where they can find you oh my gosh of course so mostly I'm on Instagram I wouldn't even tell you to go anywhere else um I'm at flirty girl guide um and you'll see a nice black and white boudoir kind of headshot um which is my 10, right? Out of my zeros. Um, so that's where, and also if you're interested in purchasing toys like the clit sucker or anything else, um, I do now finally have an online store and it is www.lovingsex.com backslash flirty, um, which is great. And then I also have a website, which is flirtygirlguide.com. And you can connect to the web store from there. You'll see a shop button. Now it is there. Yeah. So... Everybody talk and send me DMs. Oh my God. I love talking to women. It's my favorite thing. And by the way, I should tell you that I'm opening a new studio. (gasps) 
Yeah. And we're going to talk about that because I'm getting you in it. Oh my God. This is so exciting. So be prepared for new pictures of Brooke coming soon. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Can we do like untouched pictures too? Yeah. hundred percent. By the way, here's something that you might not know. I barely retouch my photos. In fact, most of the ones that you see on Instagram are not retouched at all. Stop it. I swear on my life. The the hunter green bodysuit is not not retouched. Yeah. Some some people are just gifted. I don't know what to tell. No, you know, I mean, I think you're just an amazing photographer. Thank you. Thank you. But you know, like like we've been talking about the real view and the perception. I see beauty in women. I see the beauty. I I I just see it. There's it's a thing and you know, I'm just just putting it on film. You so can't tell that. You can a hundred percent tell that. And that's why I wanted you to do it. I, I really did because you you show a feminine side that is not salacious or overtly sexy. I wouldn't even say it's sexy. It's just feminine. And so much of boudoir is like focused on sexy mm. and yours is just feminine. And I it's really unique. It's quite beautiful. Thank you. Well, I look forward to having you in front of my lens. Oh my God, I can't wait. That's so exciting. Yay. We'll have to document that. Yes, we should. We can do some behind the scenes. Oh, a hundred percent. Totally. All right. Stay tuned for that. Come and then I'll have you back on the podcast then to talk about the experience. Oh yeah. All right, cool. We're going to continue this. And ladies. I love you, Jen. You're so inspiring. Thank we you. really are. I really wish we lived closer together because like, I just want to come and hang out. Well, when the snow goes away and the flowers start coming out, we will. How about yeah, that? For sure. <laughs> for sure. All right, guys, check out Brooke's stuff. Support her. She's awesome and you're awesome and you deserve an amazing, fun, exciting sex life. So go make sure that happens. Your vagina is magical. That's right. Go tend to your magical vaginas. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Shamelessly Feminine Podcast. If you loved what you heard, be sure to leave a rating and review on iTunes so that more women can learn to live a badass life. To learn more about this movement, go to shamelesslyfeminine.com and join our Shamelessly Feminine Facebook group. Until next time, go out there and be the boss of your life.